Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. There, there was a fair bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Tonight's special episode, we're going to talk about couples um, that if you love Jamie and Brienne, you might also like, and explore some of the common romantic tropes that Jamie and Brienne um, exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is like what I'm most looking forward to, because you linked us to TV tropes, and I just got lost <laughs> in it. <laughs> so, as you might have heard... Um, Tonight, I'm Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr, and tonight I have, joining with me, I have Chicky. Hey, I'm Chicky, Chickren on Tumblr. Kama? Hi, this is Kama. I'm Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. Eon? Hi, this is Eon, and I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And we have a second-time guest. We kind of can't believe she came back. We have Stay Seated. Hi, I'm Stay Seated. I still don't have a Tumblr. <laughs> and you might want to keep it that way, just yeah. saying. Good what? life decision there, dude. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you guys. So, <laughs> when we were thinking about this episode, you know, my thoughts on it were really that one of the things that I think make Jamie and Brienne such an enduring ship is that the relationship isn't just one of these classic romantic tropes. It covers, you know, I think we have a, an ongoing list of maybe about a dozen or more of those tropes. And so, if something about a, a romance really resonates with you, you know, the Jamie, the way Jamie and Brienne are written, there's like a dozen opportunities for you to fall in love with the characters you know, as they fall in love with each other. And so we really wanted to talk about some of these tropes and then other couples that we also find that fulfill some of them that might help us during this long hiatus. Like I was actually thinking about this today. It's been about five months since the last Game of Thrones episode, and it's like six or seven <laughs> months until the next one. And unfortunately, um, George did not announce the release of Winds of Winter last week, so we will still be waiting for that. Damn you, George. George, right? please. George, please. We're talking about love tropes. <laughs> No. This is what we're driven to. Yeah. And I think when we talk about tropes in Jamie and Brienne, you know, typically the very first one that comes to mind is Beauty and the Beast. And I, I don't necessarily think we have to rehash, like, all of the ways that they fit Beauty and the Beast. Although, if one of you would like to, please feel free. But I really wanted to ask the question of how do you guys feel about that trope? Like, is that something that resonates with you? That's so funny. You know what my biggest issue with the Beauty and the Beast trope usually is? is just I hate the fact that the beast always has to become beautiful themselves. It's like one of the things that bugs me the most about most Beauty and the Beast stories. You know, yeah. I will say like in the in the Disney which apparently we're just going to keep besmirching the Disney oh musical like Sorry, so much. Disney fans. <laughs> but like once the beast is like the handsome prince, I find him so not attractive at all. I'm like, I want sexy beast back, not like pretty boy here. And I kind of feel like Belle probably thinks the same thing. She's like, who is this dude? I remember not, watching like, that. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, there are sequels to that movie. So actually, him and Belle make it, okay? So 
she manages to find a way to feel <laughs> attraction to that. So what you're saying she is these hotness. <laughs> yeah, they they get she gets over. It. She's like, all right, I guess you're still the same person. I think what you're saying is that he's still a beast in the bedroom. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> I mean, he's like a closet it. furry or something. <laughs> That's how they get by. Yeah, oh he brings out, yeah, he brings out a costume every time they get busy. <laughs> Belle puts on like a little like, uh, oh my god, what's Lumiere? <laughs> it's a candlestick. A little candlestick costume. <laughs> I I just remember seeing that in the theater. And I was really, I, I went against my will. I'm not the biggest fan of the Disney movies, um, particularly their fairy tales. And, um, but I was really getting into it because I really liked how Belle wasn't backing down, how she was this very strong character. And at the end, when he transforms into the handsome prince, like there was a sort of like letdown in the theater. It was the weirdest thing where I'm like, oh. <laughs> I can honestly oh. remember that too. And I was a kid. Because, like, the, the lady I was with, it was one of our my parents' friends, she was actually pretty disappointed that the, the beast turned into this guy that wasn't even even really hot. Yeah. It's like, oh, you got gypped, honey. <laughs> are, are we just, like, really into bestiality and we just don't realize it? Or No, I mean, I think no, we I got think the beast I think was it's sexy. Just... Yeah, no, he had, like, this aggression, you know? He had, like, this animal I think it's just the difference between plain vanilla and something more, like, interesting. Yeah. Like, he just looked like a cartoon prince, at least in that movie, and I was like, eh, you know? Whereas at least he was interesting was before. It's like, so, oh, you got generic, okay. So then, you know, thinking about Jamie and Brienne, you know, when we think about the ways that it's reversed and inner and outer beauty Will we will we find like if Jamie is like inner beauty like we'll be like oh <laughs> he's Wait, sorry, super boring what? now oh his inner beauty <laughs> yeah like I if you, do you know think that you know sometimes in fanfic when he becomes like too idealized like he becomes like after they they hook up and he becomes her boyfriend he becomes like too perfect yeah that's when I get a little bit bored yeah yeah I hear you there we need his inner asshole I mean, he's got to no, be a little I mean, bit like, asshole. outer asshole yeah. <laughs> So I was trying it's on to... the outside, okay? <laughs> I was trying to think of, um, you know, other couples besides, you know, Belle and the Beast that actually yeah. were the Beauty and the Beast trope. And I was having, actually kind of having a hard time coming up with some. Did anyone have some that they oh, really liked? Oh, there is one. Um, there is one. Um, Jane Eyre. Oh, one. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jane and Mr. Rochester, yeah. Yes. There you go. Guys, I got one. I, I kind of thought about this. There's, uh, I want to throw it out to everyone who's a fan of um, Korean movies. There's a movie called 200 Pounds Beauty. Have any of you guys seen it? I oh. have heard of this. Someone told me to watch it, but no. Well, yeah, you should totally watch it. It's great. Uh, it's like this really, really hot guy and this super unattractive, super – she's in a fat suit. So she's it's like kind of shallow Hallie. Oh, that's another good one. But so oh, yeah. she's like – hideous and she just has low self-esteem and she's an amazing singer but no one will give her a chance because she's like not pretty to look at so she ends up getting like crazy plastic surgery gets super hot and then of course like you know her and the guy hook up but the whole time he was like actually in love with her inner beauty which i'm not sure i buy but that's like the story they were selling (laughs) it's kind of like that real life story of the guy that sued his wife because she had like massive plastic surgery and then we found out Baby, yeah. Yeah, that they he didn't want an ugly baby. 
<laughs> oh god. I thought of and this kind of cheesy. I thought of Fleur and Bill from Harry Potter too. Because Fleur. Oh. Bill yeah. Was super hot. I don't get it. She was super hot, and he was um, actually bitten by a werewolf. Oh, and so he had like quite like a bit of later facial book. scarring. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I stopped caring at that point, but. Oh. I'm sorry. Bill is like the dragon wrangler, right? It's still hot, dude. It's nope, hot. Charlie, the gay one. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> Bill. Bill is like the Bill's the oldest, the um, kind of the rebel that has a ponytail and an earring. Still hot. Yeah. Eon's, Eon's just like, who are these people? She never read Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just picturing Mr. Eon browbeating me saying, you should read those damn books. <laughs> you should read those damn books. Yeah. No, but I think Eon was right with Mr. Rochester and Jane. Mm-hmm. That's very yeah. definitely. I mean, although Jane although, is not exactly yeah, beauty, not beauty, but, really, but um, yeah, yeah. Although, you know, if she just. Put a lip no. lipstick. But you know, that's the thing I can't stand like with a lot of fandom with Brienne. It's like this need to make her gorgeous. And it's like, no, you don't have to do that. In fact that's the whole point, you know. But um yeah. But definitely Mr. Rochester yeah. is very much and there's also that idea it doesn't have to be physicality. I mean, it, it you know, you could have like Mr. Rochester is not exactly attractive, and neither is Jane, but it's his behavior, it's the way he acts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's I totally love that. I mean, you know, I was thinking about that, and this isn't really, you know, this isn't a canon couple, if you will, but I was thinking about in Gone with the Wind, um, Scarlet and Melanie are kind of a beauty and the beast, in a way, if you want to go pure inner. Okay. And just, you know, I think they actually fit a couple of tropes for a couple that mm. was never actually a couple. But now um, I gotta look for slash fic. Thank you. I'm sure that there's a ton of slash. <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> there should be a ton of Scarlet Melanie slash fic. But yeah, I mean, I think they also fit that with her kind of, you know, Melanie's kind of pureness of heart and Scarlet's pragmatism. I'm kind of a so, Scarlet Melanie fan. There's well, also- we're gonna talk. Oh, go ahead, Tom. No, I was gonna say I was thinking there's um. But there's a number of film noir out there where you've got the damaged sort of um, lead. Usually it's a man. And then there's usually some um, idealistic. Well, God, Casablanca. I mean, right. Yeah, there you go. That's one. Um, there's a, a Ida Lupino, a Robert Ryan, one I'm thinking of where she's blind and like this very pure kind of you know, soul and he's this hardened, um, I think he's a cop. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot if you go back old Hollywood where you can get mm. to that kind of thing. Yeah. They're there. Well, of course there's always a question. Is it just that we don't find those actors attractive anymore? I mean, I think Humphrey oh. Bogart was considered attractive. In his day. No, but it's, it's not but even I think that it's, they're it's more of his, physically like, attractive. It's that they're, I mean, they're, they're sort of become this sort of hardened, bitter, nasty cynical people and you got someone who's like this idealistic which is is brand you know i don't think yeah. it just has to be a pure like literal interpretation of of beauty and the beast yeah That's a great point comma i'd like that true so we got to talk about i mean if we're going to talk about jamie and brand and the trope of beauty and the beast we've got to talk about george's tv show beauty and the beast yeah don't we did anyone else did watch anyone that? watch it <laughs> me Sorry, george. i did <laughs> Way, way back in the day I did, but it's I can, been a long I can, time. I can remember watching it, and I've tried to watch it, like, recently, and it just didn't age very well for me. 
But yeah, I can I only imagine how it has aged. <laughs> I can it does, imagine it how has the not aged. Has aged. Do you see, I'm thinking like, the hair was really big, right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you see 80s. Jamie Brienne parallels in it at all, or no? Um, you know, not. Uh, it's. I mean, I would really need to rewatch it because it's been. God, I don't even want to think about how many years. Twenty five ish. I don't even know. Um, but I think. Um. You know, there's a little bit of Brienne and the Beast, I would think, in in Vincent from from Beauty and the Beast, because he was a very gentle soul who was only like tough when like roused to anger and could be roused to very righteous anger and stuff. So I think there is a little bit there, but as far as like Catherine and Jamie parallels, mm-hmm. I really couldn't say I see many. So let's talk about a little, uh, maybe a more fun one. I think it's going to be more fun. Um, belligerent sexual tension. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I think this is like everyone's favorite. So, I mean, I think like the first half of A Storm of Swords is essentially like a masterclass in establishing belligerent sexual tension. Um, <laughs> you know, the sword fight alone is, well, in any, you know, any other time it would be like the end of the sexual tension since it would have <laughs> been massively released. But, um, like in Buffy. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I think we can pretty obviously, again, see how Jamie and Brienne fit that. But what are your guys' favorite um, belligerent couples? Oh, God, there's so many. Are some. This is my favorite thing. I mean, I fucking need tension in any ship that I'm going to take seriously. I have got to have some fucking tension. And if the tension's gone, like, my attention is gone, basically. So, (laughs) like, I often gravitate to this sort of thing. Um, Well... I'm going to go with one of my favorite movies of all time, which is was The African Queen. I think that that's, well, I can see parallels. Um, certainly in their characteristics, the idealism versus the cynic, and then just the pure, like, they're out there hot and sweaty on that little boat, and, you know, you can kind of feel it, even though... You don't really see anything because it's an old movie, but oh, man. Yeah. Sometimes, like, not seeing anything is better than seeing things. Oh, yeah. In the old, I mean, the old movies kind of knew how to, they knew what they were doing. I guess Sometimes. I could probably go for um, Romancing the Stone. Yeah. Dude, that's a great oh, one. Dude, oh, yeah. dude that's good. Yeah. I now, have that not was, seen that forever. um Refresh my memory as to who yeah, that is. Michael, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. She's yeah, and isn't she like a sort of innocent like? But she writes romance novels. Yeah, she writes romance yeah. novels. Yeah, and they hate each other at first. They hate yeah, each they other. They love each other. Yeah. <laughs> first they're arguing. Now they're kissing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it was such movie. a good movie too. I love that movie. Right. Oh, that's a good one, Ian. That is a really good one. I mean, I have so many. Like, everything I've ever shipped, like, falls in this. Like, it's like, what do you want? Like, Logan and Veronica from Veronica Mars totally fall into that. Like, Buffy and Spike yep. from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, Casey and Joey. Yeah. Yep. Um, like, I mean, even Mulder and Scully, in a way, fall in those, fall into that kind of area that, you know. And, I mean, I you know, obviously it's not sexual, but... You know, our next podcast, um, Anna Green Gables and Anna Gilbert, <laughs> have a belligerent romantic tension, I think, oh, when they're oh, little yeah. kids. 
Anne and Gilbert totally. They really do. In fantasy, too, there was a series I'm not recommending, but that has a really, really fabulous romance where there's a ton of belligerent tension, um, which is uh, <laughs> Wheel of Time. Not recommending it, but Lan and Neneva have a really, really cool romance in that, um, that falls in there. Oh, one thing uh, like- David Eddings' books. Um, God, I can't think of them. Um, shoot. He wrote a series. It's a fantasy which I cannot pronounce. Um, but he's got the two, like the, and, you know, the guy who's that very tropey serious guy who's like an orphan who turns out, of course, to be the chosen one. And there's this princess he falls in love with eventually. But that's that I remember. They're always arguing, always fighting. Remember and of course, fucking. yeah, pretty much. Awesome. <laughs> So one well, I'm I mean, like, curious. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, stay seated. Oh, I was just wondering, like, what? Uh, I think, like, one thing that people might benefit from hearing about is just like why this kind of trope appeals to you guys. Like, what is it about the belligerent sexual tension? I think it's that... tension between the reader and the story in a way too, and that's yeah. why you can lose interest at you know when it happens because your tension of the will they or won't they has been released as well. Uh, it's. Mm-hmm. It's like Darcy and Elizabeth in Pride and Prejudice. I mean, it's a sort of like, you can see it coming a mile away. You're wondering what the hell's wrong with them, but there's this tension and it's exciting and it's interesting. And I, I, well, I can enjoy ships that don't necessarily, you know, they don't have to have tension. I do like it because I think it's just, I don't know. I, I think it's. I mean, for me, I feel like it's a drug that I'm chasing. I feel like the first time that I got it, that I really got that feeling of, oh, my God, these two actually are into each other and they're going to hook up. And it was a surprise. I think that's a feeling that I have continued to chase in fiction for the rest of my life, wow. frankly. I mean, like you mentioned you mentioned Elizabeth and Darcy, and that is kind of a case in point, because when you hit that point in the novel, at least me, my virgin read. I was like, wait, wait, what? What the fuck? Wait, he's proposing? What? How can this be? Like, I did not know it was coming. And, like, that feeling is amazing. I fucking love it. <laughs> I always want to have it. So do you remember yeah. Do you remember your first hit? Was it, was it that? I don't know if it was. I don't know if the first real hit would have been Pride and Prejudice, because I read that when I was, like, in high school. But I know that I already liked that kind of ship. You know, that was already my. I think like Han. <laughs> I, I think that Han and Leia were like the first like belligerent oh, ship God, that I yes. can remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I would have been pretty young, like young enough to like get it, kind of, but not young, but not, so young that I wouldn't have gotten it before. You know, like they're fighting. Why are they kissing now? I don't. Yeah. Oh, or like, God. oh my Maybe God, they love each. I think they love each other. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, what if Han and Leia were my first? Oh, that would totally make sense. There was, um, just thinking, I I once heard Sarah Vala, and I think it was like one of those, you know, she's doing like a talk kind of thing on some weird cable channel. She's uh, a a really good nonfiction author. And she at the time was really into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And she talks about being like on a, like a, must have been a bulletin board where Spike and Buffy had their epic coupling, which is... Um, spoilers for Buffy, but they literally <laughs> destroy, take a house down and start banging. And um, 
these like 12 year old girls going, well, that wasn't very romantic. And, you know, the <laughs> older fans going, well, <laughs> sometimes yeah. there are different kinds of love. And, you know, but it's that kind of a thing. Sometimes well, it's not schmoopy. Sometimes when the people really love each other. They, yeah. <laughs> Bring your house down. <laughs> I'm tr- I wrote down a couple of other, you know, examples, and I don't know if you guys remember these or have seen them, but um, one of my all-time favorites is Sean Thornton and Mary-Kate Danaher <gasps> from The Quiet Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Then, oh, my God. I watched that, like, last weekend. Oh, really? Yes, <laughs> because whenever Maureen O'Hara died, it's oh, like... Oh, that's right, yeah. I, yeah, whenever that happened, it's like I wanted to watch The Quiet Man. Oh, yeah, she's... Cool. And actually, her version of... The Parent Trap is is um great, and I can't think of another one father is. Yeah, yeah, no, and I can't think of who plays the father in her version. Oh, it's um Brian. Um, oh yeah, yeah, Brian Keith. Uh, yep, yep, and it's yep. great. And I, I mean, to be fair, I love the Lindsay Lohan version of it, but there's not oh, but it, that doesn't have belligerent sexual tension between no. the parents at all. Um, but this version definitely does. And then I wanted to give a plug for my um, and comma. You'll probably I'll probably start the tradition first here. My obscure soap opera couple, and um, they're Natalie and Jared from One Life to Live. And their backstory was, and this is so soap opera, their backstory was that Jared was pretending to be the long-lost heir of one of the Buchanans, and therefore Natalie's uncle. (laughs) But he super, super wanted to bang Natalie. And she wanted to bang him, but she thought he was her uncle, and he... Didn't couldn't bang her without confessing that he was not indeed her uncle and was not the heir to this fortune. Well, oh my god! And they also that's kind a soap of opera. yeah, that's I do a soap have a opera. soap opera one of my own, and that is Natalie and Trevor on All My Children. And um, apparently, the actors—this is gossip—but apparently, the actors really did not get along. And when the actress found out she that he would be her love interest, she like I guess ran screaming into her dressing room, but. You know, you put those two together on the screen, and it was like sizzle. It was amazing. He, she was like the sort of somewhat refined kind of gold digging heroine, and he was like this tough, rough cop. And oh my god, it was they were so good together. It, it's really unfortunate the actors didn't like each other, but that or kind of that it played out on it. the screen really yeah. well. That's just like moonlighting. I mean, like, yeah. the actors hated each other, but they were great on screen. Great, great chemistry, great tension. Gosh, maybe Braun and Cersei should have had a little thing then. Since- oh, God. Oh. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, oh. since if Lena and Jerome Flynn, like, hate each other so much, who knows? That could have been awesome. <laughs> oh, but, you know, the Quiet Man's a really, that's another really good one, because there's that sort of not really understanding where the other person's coming from in that one. Uh, yeah. Because he doesn't get why she's so hipped on getting her dowry and she doesn't understand why he can't understand what she wants. Right. I mean, it's a good, actually it's a really good Jamie and Brienne parallel in a way because they both, you know, they're both struggling with maintaining their honor and that's and their what's pers- keeping their individuality yeah. and yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, and they're both very physical. I mean, they have a, I mean, both those actors, both John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara have a very intense, strong physical presence. 
Although those high waisted pants that John Wayne wears in that movie, like I just <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like I've seen a lot of John Wayne movies where he's not necessarily paired with a strong no. actress, and you know it, or she's not necessarily paired with a strong um, right. leading man, and they they kind of dominate. Yeah. But like you put those two together, yeah, and I mean, they're made a, physical, a couple movies, yeah. And it they is, just kind of yeah. match. And it, it sort of, is, I mean. It is rumored that they were a kind of a, a they had a, an affair going on throughout the years, too. Did they? So, oh, really? Yep. Yep. Mm. yep. But, yeah, that's that one. That's a good one. So, you know, kind of along those same lines, you know, there's the common of common trope of enemies to friends to lovers. And I feel like it kind of. You know, a lot of the cases, the belligerent sexual tension kind of is the same thing as that. So I was having a hard time coming up with a couple that didn't maybe have that belligerency between them, but started out as enemies and ended up lovers. And I genuinely can't think of any. So. Mm. (laughs) But you mean like they were just enemies and then they just started banging, but there wasn't like tension? Well, yeah, like enemy, you know, like... No, like they they start out they don't like each other. But there's no sexual tension. They become friends and then gradually they end well, up together. Well, I mean, if kind you of skip the friends, <laughs> you know who that you know who that would match is like Benedict and Beatrice from um, Much Ado About Nothing because mm-hmm. they really don't seem to have much sexual tension until like their friends all start creating it between them. So that <laughs> might match that actually. And I guess like I you know I thought of. Um, you know, from when Harry met Sally, Harry and Sally, but it's such oh, a gentle, yeah. it's such a gentle romance kind of, and like a gentle enemy yeah. that I don't really, you don't really feel no, like the same version. way. Yeah, you know, but there's, there's still that, that kind of, you know, they, the, like the Heron Hall baths, there's this gradual understanding of who they are as people. And then, you know, the coming together, so to speak, but I interrupted Ian. Yeah. I think. One thing I can that comes to mind is this movie called Dangerous Liaisons. They did a remake of it called yeah. Cruel Intentions, oh, and that's you know, the one thing I can think of is like with with John Malkovich and um, Michelle Pfeiffer because I mean um, Valmont he is a bad boy and like I can't remember her name though, but she does not like him at first, and I mean yeah, well I mean I that mean, certainly yeah. fits another. He's like trope. a total playboy, yeah. and I mean, like. That- yeah, they, they totally, like, I mean, they don't like each other. He's trying to seduce her, right? Yeah, and I think that totally fits, like, another yeah. one that we see, which is, you know, the love is redemption, especially yeah. in the um, Cruel Intentions mm. version of it with uh, yeah. Ryan Philippe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if there's any stupid teen movie version of something, I've seen it, <laughs> <That's> by the <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 God. Clueless. I don't know where that fits, but that's got another... <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, Clueless is kind of. I mean, they're not. Yeah, Emma does. She does kind of have that, that belligerent. Emma tension. and Mr. Knightley. Yeah, Emma and Mr. Knightley do kind of follow Wait, is that. Is that You're Cher right. and her stepbrother? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Guile. Got confused. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, if you go back to the original, which is Emma, I mean. She's kind of like Jamie, and he's this very, he's got noble ideas, and you need to behave a certain way. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a little bit May-December-ish, because um, he is significantly older than she is. But, of course, it's Austin, so that doesn't matter quite as much. 
Well, and that's another trope that um, I think it was Stacey that pointed out, too, is, you know, Jamie and Brienne, especially in the, you know, the Song of Ice and Fire world, although, frankly, let's be fair, in the Song of Ice and Fire, every romance is probably December, December, because everyone's <laughs> going to die. But in theory, you know, they are, um, you know, they'd be a May-December romance. Yeah, because they have a significant age gap. Would they be a full-blown May-December? Well, how old are I forget. Jamie's 34 and Brienne's 19. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, 15 years. I mean, I guess. I I think, think like, that's like 20, 25. If you were banging somebody when you were 19 who was 35. Yeah, I guess the life stages. Yeah, that's... Especially now. I mean, it might have been different when, you know, when... Yeah, when you were in the 1950s, when you got married when you were 18 or 19, if not as unusual. But, I mean, now I'd be wondering what the hell the 34-year-old is doing with the 18-year-old. Right. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, in a modern context, You know what he's doing with her, comma. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, why can't he... You know what I mean? I'd be questioning... Like, what's wrong with him that he can't yeah. be a girl Yeah, and you would be right, because age. Jamie is about 19 as far as maturity. Yeah. Right? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, maturity-wise, yeah, they're... But um, I'd argue she's closer to being the 35-year-old. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so they flip December. They flip emotionally and then, you know, physically <laughs> their ages. And, you know, she ages those 10 years by the time he sees her at the end of Feast. So, you know, and then she's appropriate. <laughs> she's too old. Too old. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm wearing Trant. Um, I think there's a cup. There's another couple that I see, not a um, not a romantic couple, but a couple of tropes I see, I see paired with Jamie and Brienne, too, which is um, the bodyguard. And I want us all to, like, in our minds, start singing, I Will Always Love You. It's already happening. already happening. <laughs> and, um, you know, Stockholm Syndrome. So you kind of have... What? Well, I mean, it could. I don't necessarily agree that that is, you know, that is Jamie and Brienne, but it's yeah. something I've seen, you know, critical of um, of the relationship. And I love Stockholm Syndrome. I don't necessarily think of it as kind of like this um, kind of you know, mental illness kind of thing. It's just kind of like you start sympathizing with this person that you're spending a lot of time with who happens to kind of like be, you know, you're, you're the prisoner of. That's. I think there's something interesting there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a nice trope. I don't trope. think of it in a clinic. I guess I hear that and I think like clinical, like Patty Hearst yeah. kind of Stockholm yeah, Syndrome. No. We're not and thinking I think like it's... cult leader, cult follower kind of thing. Yeah. No. So back in college, <laughs> story time. <laughs> Welcome to story time. time. Guile was well, taken hostage. Everybody, no, get ready. but I was, I was actually <laughs> she thinking about with her. With, oh, sorry. Go ahead. About you know what is it that a bot, the bodyguard or Stockholm syndrome, you know, like a like a non-clinical Stockholm syndrome are. And I was thinking about how like oh you know if you're like trying to get some with someone in college like the first thing you had to do was get isolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it's totally like yeah. it's like you both of those tropes them. are based on isolation, based on kind of the idea that maybe if I'm the only person they see, they'll like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's why people use tropes like stuck in the elevator, yeah. you yeah. know, you just happen to have the seat next to them on a full flight, those kinds of things, because yeah. you force those characters together and interact. So that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
because you're taking characters who might never yeah. actually spend the time of day together and now they're forced to be, you know, spending the night in the freezer or whatever. I think um, you know, going back to like the enemies, to enemies to friends to lovers, I think you know there's another trope identified which is the idea of, you know, love across battle lines and I think, you know, the obvious example of that is like a Romeo and Juliet, but it's also like John and Egret are a really good example of that too. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think Jamie and Brienne obviously, you know, start out like that as well. Um, right. They don't last too long because they're kind of put on the same side by, by Catelyn almost immediately. But I also think that, you know, the other thing is they kind of choose to be on the same side within probably like two pages, maybe five pages of, of um, Jamie's first chapter. Mm. Yeah, it's so hard to find good. I mean, it's like I know there are good enemies to lover stories or they're like, you know, across the battle battlefield, whatever it is. But I don't know why I can't think of any. You're right. It's like you think of Romeo and Juliet and that's like it. Well, and it made me actually think like I feel like John and Egret is really a bit underrated as a story because the series got popular after um, the series was most popular when she's like everyone knows she's dead. So you can't really in- emotionally invest in the story that much. I don't know. See, my thing with John and Egret is I never really saw it as a, a grand sweeping love love. I think, I don't know, I guess I saw it as more like adolescent. I don't know why I think that, though. Because it kind of is. Because Yeah, it kind of is. But then it's also like really, I mean, it's really sadly beautiful in that they both, you know, they they genuinely love each other. But they choose, you know they choose their sides over each other. And I mean, it's something you can respect mm-hmm. about both of them, but it's also oh, yeah. like, heartbreaking. Yeah. Like when John thinks, you know, I should never have been with her. I should never have left her. I mean, it's like, Oh, Oh, yeah. John, you emo, wonderful boy. But again, I mean, I guess this is the old cynic. I mean, they're young, you know, you're like, <laughs> it's like you will love again, John. So yeah, I mean, she won't, yeah. unfortunately, unless she gets <laughs> yeah. raised up, but you know, <laughs> Um, so yeah, you. but he will. So um, that's a great segue, tra- uh, comma into <laughs> into another good. Um, which you know, when I was looking at couples to kind of fulfill some of these tropes, I was kind of surprised. Like, I felt like this was the one that had the most that I really got into, which is the second love. And you know, for Jamie and Brienne, they would absolutely be the second love of each other's lives. You know. For Brienne, not as much as for Jamie. No, I was going to say, I don't count Renly as her love. I just count her, uh, that's like puppy love, crush kind of thing. Yeah, but I think the circumstances of his death are going to always kind of make him more important to her than he really would have been otherwise. He's like, it's like that whole thing about how you don't really want to date a guy who's got, you know, who's a widower, who loved the, the first wife, because that, at least in the, you know, the TV shows I've watched, oh. that idea that, that first, you know, the dead wife or the dead husband is always going to be there, a ghost, a saint. You're always going to be, you're never going to be able to, you know, live up to that, compare. And I mean, like, if time had passed, if she'd come to really know Renly, you know, that that, that infatuation would have, I mean, it would have passed. She would have, he would not have seemed so idealist, you know. Especially when she learned that, you know, he was totally gay. Yeah, but not even that. I don't even think that. I think part of the reason she liked him was because he was kind to her. Yeah, but I think. I mean, I, I think she think idealized it. Was a it. She didn't even. Yeah, it but was so again, shallow. the more you 
the more familiarity breeds contempt. You know, you start to the dead saint. You can't really defeat versus, you know, the living ex where you're going, you know what? I'm so much better without him. So I think I could see where that would be coming from. But I, yeah, I don't I, know. I, I, I don't love know. I just don't trope. feel like I just don't feel like Renly is counts. I think <laughs> although he is, he does still loom large though for sure because he also is wrapped up in the whole thing of her finally getting her Kingsguard vow that she clearly had wanted all of her life. So I think you know I think he does get an idealized spot. And when you said that, calm, I think you have a point. With when someone dies, it's like they take on a more lion sized like larger than life position sometimes. You and yeah, I can flaws. see that. You forget yeah. that you don't see them and. I think for her, is she at that point, she had sort of decided that she wasn't going to get, you know, she wasn't going to get married, that this was going to be her future. So it was like what she thought she wanted. Now, that's probably not what she did want, but no, (laughs) it's all wrapped up in this sort of that can be. I mean, that's a barrier and I can see why that could be a problem. Yeah, yeah. And of course, God knows he's got his own baggage. Oh, God. God, he is just, he is baggage. Yeah. <laughs> he's baggage itself. Although in his case, his his axe is very much alive and fucking up right and left, so it's not like... It's actually an advantage to Brienne, because there's little <laughs> no, that she can yeah. do to be worse than Cersei. But I really, you know, looking at some of the couples that fit this trope, like I, I did, like I said, I found like I really loved quite a few of them. Like, and I, I didn't watch the show the entire run of it, thank God, because I think I would have been so angry instead of mildly angry. But Ted and the mother on How I Met Your Mother, and just I'm thinking of the episode in the last season that focused on the mother and and kind of her life story and how she had thought she met the love of her life and he passed away, and it was just. Like, there's something beautiful about her moving on from that that I think I love. Okay, well, full disclosures, I totally bailed on that show, like, two seasons before that when I realized that they were never going to work like that. Well, I haven't seen it. They they managed to actually cast someone and tell the story of someone as the mother that actually lived up to all of the, like, years of hype. But then they fucked it up on the last 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, like, when you brought it up, I just, all I saw was rage, so I can't respond yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember, I I think I saw, like, the first, you know, like, I, I saw random episodes here and there, and I watched part of it because of, uh, what's her name, Allison Hannigan, but it really was never a go-to for me. Mm-hmm. But I remember the ending and all of the people on Tumblr, the rage, the hate. Yes. The- the disappointment. Ain't no rage like Tumblr rage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, pretty much. Stacey the, doesn't know what we're talking yeah. about. There are fun, like, there's fun second love couples, too. Like, I mean, Ross and Rachel. I mean, they've both been married, well, Ross several times. Oh. <laughs> or Monica and Chandler for that, <laughs> for that moment. Yeah. And I read something that apparently J.K. Rowling purposely didn't want any of her, like, the three main characters to end up with the first person they kissed. So that was, like, something that was very important to her, that they not end up with their first love. (laughs) Their first kiss. Because I think Ron and Hermione are each other's first loves. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they just didn't know it. Although, like, Victor Crumb always seemed, like, super cool. So, I mean, I can't really blame Hermione No, he seemed really remedial, dude. 
<laughs> I think we found a shipper. Smart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I totally, I totally have enjoyed some, some like second love romances. I mean, I think it's all, it's all in how it's handled. And I guess, I, I mean, it's I'm kind like... of a question we all have dangling with Jamie and Brienne. How the hell will it be handled? Yeah. I mean, Jamie's so cavalier, like, oh, I suppose I might have to deal with Cersei unless she's dead. Uh, like, he's kind of, and oh, George had to be reminded to write that in for the reader. Like, he's like unrealistically done with her, probably more so than he can actually be. Yeah. Although, I mean, again, we go if we go into George's personal history, which I know we've talked about on here before, I mean, you know, his wife is an example of his second love as well so i think you know yeah he's divorced isn't he yeah yeah, and he met his first wife when he was i think engaged or he met his second wife when he was engaged to his first wife but i'm gonna guess that his first wife was not his sister (laughs) (laughs) and that Uh, we don't know that you don't know we don't know (laughs) i really don't but you know that's why i mean i think it's in the Song of Ice and Fire fandom that people are so cavalier about incest. Like, ah, it's no big deal. <laughs> it's like, yes, it's a very big deal. And, you know, years and years of therapy. But, you know, uh, I mean, in their world, I mean, you know, you kind of forget sometimes, like, well, who are Danny's parents? Yeah. Like, brother and sister, like, no one seems yeah, to raise an eyebrow. Yeah, except that they are supposed to be the one exception to the rule. <laughs> make exceptions to a rule like well that. no but in their society everyone else is freaked yeah. out and the only reason they accepted this is because they had dragons man it wasn't like <laughs> if they awesome just shown up dragons. as a brother and sister couple with Aegon or brother and sister's couple yeah Do you think I mean that... they would have been like get the hell out or stone so... them to death but no they came with dragons which is why they accepted them that doesn't mean they liked it or thought it was fine for anyone else it means that they came with a you know a mother load of firepower and society kind of like okay it's so, okay with targs not with anybody else did visenya and rainies ever hook up do you think i can always wonder i mean i kind of assumed hmm. that's weird <laughs> never thought of it you think they did threesomes oh of course they did threesomes why would you even you have really two think wives so? Yeah, I guess. Battle lost like a whole like after an afternoon of some light killing aboard their dragons. Yeah, they probably (laughs) (laughs) went back to some cave about this. And Chicky's like, you know, no, I never thought of it. You people are freaks. (laughs) No, I don't think you're freaks. I I honestly hadn't thought of it. I don't know why I hadn't thought about it. It would make sense. I just had never actually considered it before. Well, I mean, there are other societies where they do have. I mean, mean, you know, Egypt is the classic, right? Well, or you have multiple spouses, but they don't necessarily all interact together. It's the guy goes around to whatever, like a big love kind of deal. Or, you know, a harem. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of lore of incest in a lot of different cultures. I mean, I don't think it's isolated anywhere in the world. But, I mean, I think the thing with the Song of Ice and Fire is, yes, it it is more normalized because of the Targaryens. And even within Westeros, it's clearly more normalized because – even though they don't like it, like they're much more upset about Robert's kids being bastards than they are about the, the Jamie and Cersei part. It's just like the Jamie and Cersei is the, the cherry on top or something to Westeros. <laughs> people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like it, it weirdly is not as big a deal as it should be. And yeah, I don't know what the, 
what the reasoning is there. We need to have a long. Oh, it's probably because they're not aware of like you know genetics and all the ways that that could really fuck up human beings. Well, could be Joffrey. Too. There exactly. you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought another fun one was the battle couple, and you know the idea being of like the you know the warriors in love, which obviously you know Jamie and Brienne. You know, we, we kind of, I think we kind of envision them that way, and like at least you know, once they're together until until they die, like we always have that vision of them like fighting the others together, and I think. Oh. Mm. I got one. Mm-hmm. Um, from Conan the Barbarian, Conan and um, was it Valeria? Red Sonia. Oh. Oh no! Oh, not, original one. not God. No, not Red Sonia. Oh my God, that was horrible. No, Conan the Barbarian, <laughs> the first one. Um, that barbarian chick, they were like that. They were like a battle couple, and then whenever she died, it's like... Well, you know, spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, if you're on this podcast, you should just know. <laughs> I just assumed everybody saw Conan the Barbarian, because... Uh, you know. Well, it's from 19... Oh, wow. I didn't... 1982, wow. Yeah, Valeria, it looks like. Valeria, yeah. Yeah, they were a battle couple. I am thinking of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and I am thinking of Jadzia Dax and Worf. Oh, yeah. The Klingons would totally get into Jamie and Brienne. Like, they'd Because <laughs> that whole... Uh, they'd be all over that. And I think Jamie and Brienne would like Worf and Jadzia, too. <laughs> like, they could double date. <laughs> double kill. I'm thinking, like... Don't give me I'm fake thinking, ideas. Like... Don't... I'm thinking, like, Battlestar Galactica reboot. I'm thinking, like, Crouching Star Tiger, Buck Hidden Dragon. Oh, yeah, Cro- I had Some Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, too. But um, yeah. what about, like, Xena and Ares from um, Xena? Or Xena and Gabrielle. Oh, God. I would never, yeah. I could never get into Xena Gabrielle because I couldn't get into the fat, I could never Zena could. accept, I, I know, she but holds... I could never accept that they had a character named Gabrielle. Like, it's the, it's the stupidest name. No, you know what my problem was was that Gabrielle went through that whole series in her sports bra. I mean, that was my thing. Yeah. Dude, she had amazing abs. She I had did no have great abs. Had. Yeah, but then you should find a more creative way that. Okay, I granted, I'm I'm asking for realism in a show. No, no, but well, because she doesn't have armor. That's what you're worried about. Like she can get like hurt. No, she was wearing a sports bra the whole time. <laughs> I feel like we're not focusing on the right things. So I'm wearing a sports bra the whole time. What are you offended? I don't understand are what you you're offended set by. In ancient Greek times, Chicky. No, you're not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna visualize, you know, <laughs> Greek gods hanging out in your living room. I had another one under under battle couple that I I don't know how. I mean, I feel like in some ways it fits Jamie and Brandon. I'm just not. I'm mm-hmm. still kind of exploring it, but have you guys read The Song of Achilles? No. Nope. And it well, so it's a fictional well, it's fictionalized, not that the Iliad is necessarily true, of um <laughs> the Iliad, but it focuses on the relationship between Achilles and Patroclus and you know, in it Patroclus is kind of this disgraced youth because he accidentally killed a man and Achilles is very much like the golden god, more or less. And so you can see kind of elements of, of Jamie and Brienne in them that way and mm. you know how Patroclus kind of humanizes Achilles to a certain extent like how I can see Brienne humanizing you know slowly humanizing Jamie in, in ways too not that Jamie's not very human but just in um 
Like increasing bringing, his empathy? Well, and bringing him down from kind of that Lannister pedestal. Sure. I don't know that they completely fit, but there's elements about them that I saw in that. Oh, yeah, I could just... see some of that. One thing I do like is, like, um, that I see as a parallel, which may be stretching it a little bit, is, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Pacific Rim, but um, <laughs> Riley Beckett and Mako, you know, mm-hmm. they're, power, they're, like, powering this Jaeger together, and they both have very, like, different experiences where he's more veteran, he's more seasoned, and he's had this whole trauma involving, like, the death of, death of his brother, and he's kind of, like, bringing himself to pilot this Jaeger again, where, she, like, she's very green, very inexperienced, so I see that more, like, aligning with Brienne and then they just come together and all they do is just like fight these fucking monsters and that's just how I actually see you know Jamie and Brienne going down like just being a couple of badasses instead of instead of instead of fighting um what are they called what are the monsters called in that movie oh kaiju kaiju Kaiju. yeah instead of fighting kaiju they fight dragons yeah that's a good one that's a good one yeah Think, oh, do Tonks and Lupin fall in this category? Probably. Well, book Lupin. <laughs> okay, book Lupin. <laughs> I have issues <laughs> with movie Lupin. <laughs> Fucking wimp. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tonks is, is she the reporter or no? No, she's the, um, she's Osha. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, just if you consider how, you know, they kind of went down and went down in battle. <laughs> J.K. Rowling, you horrible person you mm. <laughs> not that I'm not a little bitter still um yeah I think they do yeah that's a it's a good trope why don't people use it more I know I feel like there's a lot more in um in like I kept you know I kept coming back to like crouching tiger hidden dragon and like the main the main couple there and like oh god yeah, I know. And then Talk I was about like, your angst. Oh, oh I know. And I was like rereading the description today and like getting almost a little teary because it's like the you know you know it's not unrequited. It's just never fulfilled. Like oh, it just yeah. kills me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which you know, let's be please you know, don't let that happen. I know that could happen. Like oh, oh god, no. No. <laughs> At least we could let them bang before they die, please. <laughs> 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 all we need, all we need is one table, George. One table. I thought, well, whatever. I thought an interesting one, and this wasn't a TV trope that I found, but just I was thinking about Jamie and Brienne, and, and thinking about, you know, some aspects of them was the idea of them as two halves of some, you know, two halves of a whole. So, you know. Oathkeeper and Widow's Whale, you know, they obviously are, rep- you know, they're obviously representing that, um, you know, there's myths, myths within the world of ice and fire, like the maiden made of light, the lion of night, that's the myth um, mm-hmm. that they clearly kind of fit as well. Um, and I was trying to think of other couples where kind of they're each bringing, you know, in a lot of cases, I think it would be magical that they're each bringing a magical element together. Mm-hmm. Lady Hawk. Something. Oh, Lady Hawk. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> old school. Oh, Very yeah. old school. <laughs> I rewatched it. the The score is horrible. It, but is, it was awesome. so horrible. The movie was so good. <laughs> oh, Rutger Hauer back then. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <gasps> ten so out of ten. Hot. He did not age well, but man, no, back in the not. day. Oh yes. Oh, but back then. Yes. Oh, would be. But yes. that kind of. Uh, 
And that was like a literal, they're, they're separated and then they can never quite get together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sad. Um, but that might be good. Yeah. That's a good one. Totally. I'm trying to think of like, you know, it's funny. I mean, that's always something. It's like what the idea of like, you have a couple who's, you know, one is the reasonable calm one. One is the zany one. You know, those kinds of things where together they kind of all, they complement each other. And it was funny because I actually have like Jamie and Brianna's two halves of a whole, but then I also kind of have them as birds of a feather because I think like in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, they are very much alike. Like they have like the same, you know, the same kind of dreams, the same kind of core values deep, you know, really deep down. Like, I mean, Jamie's, you know, Jamie is the ultimate romantic, cynical romantic. And, you know, Brienne's not cynical yet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the antagonism is that they can see each other. I mean, he can see his younger self and her, and that's partly why they're always there's that friction is because he's frustrated and he doesn't he's turned his back on that and wants well, and, to yeah. ridicule her her for that kind of idealism. And I think he well, you know sees where it's led in himself and you know on some level doesn't want that for her. Well, yeah, I I think that's what it is. I mean, like I think part of it is both of them resisting. I think part of the antagonism you see is both of them resisting what they obviously recognize in one another. I think neither one of them wants to see anything that makes sense to them. And the other person, if that makes any sort of sense, like, no, I mean, I think the whole oath keeper scene in the books is, you know, that is exactly what's happening in the, in a lot of that is there, you know, they're uh. utterly resisting and actively trying to, you know, toss aside those, you know, those feelings and the, that like recognition of another you know, of yeah, the gravity person. of it. Yeah. I think they're feeling the absolute gravity of what the connection is and, and what they do have alike, you know, deep down inside. <laughs> <laughs> they should go looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to have to get pretty Spend some time doing that. Yeah. <laughs> he might have to go in and out a few times. <laughs> a few times. <laughs> I just, I actually have just a couple um a couple left, and one of the fun tropes, which again, it's not, it wasn't necessarily an easy one to find examples of, but um, best her to bed her, which I have to say, love the trope. Um, <laughs> a big Can fan. Can you explain this one? I'm not sh- quite sure I understand. Is this so, like a kiss me, Kate, or a little bit like that? Thing? A little bit of taming mm. of the shrew, but the idea the that, shrew, yeah. um, like the man, you know, it's always the man in this case has to prove has to like beat the woman at something in order to prove that he's worthy of her. <laughs> I thought you were just going to Annie say, get your gun. The woman. I was like, damn. Yes. He just has to beat his woman and I mean, Chicky brought up red Sonia. There you go. There you go. Such a horrible, th- I watched that the other day and it's so bad. Oh my gosh. <sighs> Annie, get your gun. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which is the musical and the, you know, she's the sharpshooter and I can't remember the guy's name, but the competition between the two of them and this notion that, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, yeah. Oh my God, you guys, 
I just thought of the best, like, birds of a feather and belligerent sexual tension couple ever, which is The Cutting Edge. Oh, my God. Oh, my the gosh, fucking Cutting Edge. And possibly a battle yeah. couple as well. Yeah, it forever. Yes, it's the ice skating Wait, is one. it the figure skater yes. and the yes. hockey player? Yep. Yes. Player. Okay. Yep. Could you guys explain this more to me? I don't know. What so to... he's, a, okay. he's a hockey player who gets an injury in the Olympics where his peripheral. I, wait, I don't know. Is it too much? Sweeney? I yeah, love that you know. Gets, yeah, TV Sweeney. He has an injury where his peripheral vision is impacted to the point where he can't play hockey. So yes. he decides to um, he decides to try out to be a figure skater, to be a partner to Kate. So it's basically Taming of the Shrew on Ice. And she can't get along. She's a she's figure a, skater. And she can't like, get along with any of her partners. Wait, why does she need a new partner? Because she's a bitch. And she can't get along yeah, with any of her partners. She's hard to get along with. Okay. Yeah. She, like, basically chews, you know, chews up her partners and spits them out. Yeah. And, like, she's considered, like, almost like there's no way they can find someone. And it's, like, that's why she's willing to take an ex-hockey player as a partner. And he's, like, it's great. They have, like, workout montages where they're each, yeah. like, getting up super early to go to the gym to beat the other one to the gym. But then the other one will already be there. And, <laughs> and you know, there's, yes, like, the... Yes. The whole thing with the toe pick. Toe yeah, and pick. all the sexual tension between them, and they're kind of a battle couple too, because by the you know, by the end they're a team together battling you know those horrible Germans oh, and their leader yeah. hosen in the Olympics. And... <laughs> oh, these guys totally. Yeah, they they are a hundred percent. And if you ship Jamie and Brienne, we'll <laughs> you should ship. Them. ship them. Go find them, dude. Yeah. I literally look, trying to look up this wait. movie. Yeah, I'm gonna watch this. Oh, it's your job. You've yeah. done your job. So, um, Avoid the I'm... sequels. Um, so I did think, yeah, and they're terrible. Like there's a sequel of their daughter and like she hooks, she hooks up with a guy that is actually like a, um, he's like a roller hockey player or something. (laughs) It was primarily shot in Hamilton, Ontario. I could, if I had known, I would have been in college. I would have flunked out to go see them film this. It would have been worth it. Worth it. But yeah, that's a good one. I found a great example of the best her to bet her, and it actually has a great payoff, which is um, it's an ancient Greek myth of Atalanta, and she was this virgin huntress that um, she um, like gave herself to Artemis, Artemis, and you know worshipped her was going to be a virgin forever. But then her father decided that she had to get married, and so she said that she'd marry any man who could beat her in a race. Well, she was super fast, and like no one could beat her. So then I think his name is pronounced Hippomenes, uh, went to Aphrodite and kind of like explained the whole situation. And Aphrodite is like, well, fuck this. I'm not going to let this girl like get away from being married. So Aphrodite gave him three coins that no human could resist. And so he would throw them in front of her during the race. So she'd have to stop to pick them up. Oh my god! And then he could beat her. So he beat her. They got married. They were pretty. They were actually like very happy. But then they fucked in some. They fucked in some god's temple in Hera's temple, I think. And so she turned them into lions. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Because apparently they believed that they believed that lions couldn't mate with lions. They could only mate with like leopards or something. So so then they could never be together again. (laughs) Lady hawk. Yeah. Yes. So it's Lady Hawk yeah. combined with um, all comes back to Rutger Hauer. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. didn't. I forgot that she turned they, that they were turned into lions for having public sex in the temple. <laughs> Which <laughs> again, <laughs> there's some parallels to Jamie there. Obviously, <laughs> they broke the PDA laws and 
they're temple. Cool. It's like their version of sept sex, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so after that note, <laughs> I actually only have one trope left, unless you guys have other ones that we've missed. But it's um, it's kind of a, a boring one, unfortunately. So let's start. Let's end on a low note. Um, <laughs> but I think I think it very you know it fits them. And again, it's one of those ones that fits them both ways. Like they each play a role, which is the lady and the knight. Um, um, I mean, they're you know they're each the knight. They're each the lady. They're each the damsel in distress. They're each the you know they're each the hero. Yeah. And well, I, George actually names them as that. So yeah. And I think that's As one of the what yeah. brave companions say that right, which is the lady and which is the knight. Yeah. Yep. And I think maybe that's one of the things too that you know really makes the couple resonate with us is the number of tropes that they fit both sides of it in some ways, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. is you know a little bit unique as well. The only one I could think of was Wesley and Buttercup, and I'm just basically saying it because I, I wanted to mention Wesley oh, and Buttercup. From the Bride. Yeah. Yeah. Buttercup, Wesley. Oh. oh, he was so good looking then. I mean, he's okay now, oh but oh my god, god he was, was good looking. Yes. <laughs> he was so fucking hot then. Like he could have been the actor. Yeah, he would have been a great Jamie. He back. aged pretty well. He had a recurring role oh, on Psych, Psych right? and he was really good on that. So how about a round robin of um, give me a couple of your favorite couples um, that you think people should check out, whether they fit a trope like Jamie and Brienne or not. Oh, dude, I'm not ready for this. OK, go last. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, oh, OK. Oh, I know. I thought of earlier. Um, John Luther and Alice Morgan from the show Luther. I feel like if you like Jamie and Brienne, oh, you will yeah. like that. And um Oh, you know what I thought of last week is from what is probably now a really obscure book, and I'm having a hard time coming up with why I feel like they fit Jamie and Brienne, but it's it's Richard and Alec from this book called Swords Point, which is <laughs> this old fantasy, but old, like, I mean, like 20, 30 years ago, a fantasy book. And um, Alec is just like this smart ass, like noble dude. And, like, Richard has to go around and, like, clean up all of the messes that he makes. And, like, something about their coupling reminds me of, like, totally a Jamie and Brienne to you. <laughs> so I totally have to give them a plug, too. Ian or Kama? Oh, I, I guess I can go. Um, I'm going to go with um, Jane Eyre and Mr. Rochester. And um, that um, Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas yeah. from Romancing the Stone. That's a good call-out. Because yeah. I think, like, that's one of those movies that you forget about, but it's so awesome. I know. I want to see it now. I want to go watch yeah. it. Have you guys? And you know what? It's an adventure movie, so yeah. it totally fits. If you like a Song of Ice and Fire, I mean, it's much less lethal and a lot more funny, but it's it fits the spirit. I think of Jamie and Brienne in a lot of ways. Yeah. Kama, mm. do you have any? Um, I would say. I mean, I like old movies. I, if you haven't already figured that out, and I think you could do worse than to check out some of the screwball comedies of like the 1930s and 40s. You're thinking of like a Carol Lombard type of thing? No, I'm thinking of a Rosalind Russell, Cary Grant, His Girl Friday. I'm thinking... Oh, God. His Girl Friday. That's, I mean... They're these two people... Bringing up Baby. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm actually thinking, um, you know, somebody mentioned Pedestal earlier, and I'm thinking of the Philadelphia story. 
These oh, don't totally fit them. Yes. But if you're not familiar with it, it's like Catherine Hepburn is going to get married to this new guy. Her ex-husband is Cary Grant, who was basically an alcoholic and kind of wrecked their marriage. But she's always like she's got these impossibly high standards of behavior for everyone. And he's now kind of cleaned up his act. And Jimmy Stewart's there as this report. Oh, it's so good. But I think those kinds of movies, there's kind of that that give and take, that that um, tension, that opposition, that attraction, I think is present in a lot of those films. Um, I would definitely say The Quiet Man that oh. and is not a 40s movie, but oh, my God, that's that's a really good movie. Well, and if you have like a thing for Ireland, I mean, if nothing else. the Oh, it's a beautiful film. Yeah, the film is gorgeous. But I, I, those are the kinds of movies that I'm thinking. Um, I will definitely second Eon with Romancing the Stone. So I've got a couple of very different ones. So, um, and eh, they kind of fit Jamie and Brienne, I guess. But one of them is Pillow Talk, which is an old 1950s movie with Rock Hudson and Doris Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's like probably the best of the, of their movies that they did together back then. And just with the... You know, there's a lot of antagonism between the characters, but it's also like as light as a feather. And I haven't seen it in a, you know, I haven't seen it in years. And so there might be, it, it, it could be, a, there could be some like offensive to the modern ear things in it. So yeah, be, yeah, I think there are. Well, that's but, true of all yeah. these old movies we're talking about. Yes, yeah, there, there are always are many there's offensive always... to the modern ear things. Yeah, be yeah. forewarned, but I mean, it is, um, you know, it's delightful, light as a feather, funny as hell. And then the other one is the opposite of funny. Um, and it's it's just, there's an old um, miniseries, a very gritty miniseries done of Ivanhoe, and um, Kieran Hines plays Sir Brian de Bois Gilbert in it. And it's there's an 11-minute YouTube clip of his scenes with as Sir Brian with Rebecca, that are just oh god uh, it's it's the best acting the most tension the most just gut-wrenching thing and you know it's this romance between this man as my sister you know because i think she watched it with me the first time had to repeatedly remind me that you know he's not a good person like i don't <laughs> i don't <laughs> no. care like i don't care no, like, you know i've never watched is... that but i fucking love ivanhoe i fell in love with uh, that book and of course it was you know that stupid non-romance romance yeah, oh, and God. if that's what you're into then that youtube clip is gonna be it for it. you because I'm gonna, I gotta watch it. It, it is yeah. so amazing. Oh, um, and just, what's his name? Yeah. James Cosmo is in it too. Oh yeah, yeah. He's in a lot like Mr. Broad uh, shoulders. <laughs> all I can think of is like how in the DVD commentaries, like the directors and the other actors are all like totally talking about his body all the time. It's <laughs> <Perfect. laughs> hilarious. Um, so Stacy, did you, anything prompt you? Yeah, totally. Okay, awesome. so this is I'm gonna okay I'm gonna really show my age here, so I am going to recommend like the Duff. Have you guys seen that movie? It just came out last this is that year. The, actually, the um designated ugly, ugly fat, fat friend. friend. Yeah, haven't no. even seen that. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, it's okay. So th it's about this girl who who's who's named the Duff. She's a really cute, really pretty girl, but just compared to her other friends, she's the designated ugly fat friend. 
And so she's kind of like really, really unlucky in love. And so she enlists the help of this super crazy hot guy, like ridiculously hot guy to kind of teach her the ways of like landing like this one guy that she has a crush on. And so they kind of pair up through these contrived circumstances and they end up actually becoming friends. Initially, their relationship is fairly antagonistic. So there's like a lot of banter. So that reminds me of Jamie and Brienne that way. But then they actually a genuine friendship develops from that. And so I don't want to give too much away, but in they the end, fall they, in love. They totally fucking end up together. They totally end up together. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. And there are other aspects in that movie that kind of um parallel Jamie and Brand. Like the really, really hot guy has like really uh, issues with his parents because they're fighting a lot and they're getting divorced so he has an estrangement from his parents in that way and then she's also like the daughter of a single mother like Allison Janney who I like to think of as Selwyn she be oh, my she's mom so awesome. she would be awesome oh, Selwyn good. yeah she is an awesome Selwyn oh okay someone needs to write the gender bender Selwyn <laughs> I would do that except I don't do that so <laughs> <laughs> Don't do gender swap. Sorry. Not even for Alice and Janney. No, not even for Alice and Janney. Wow. Do you know that her family owned Ruffian? I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. The famous, um, she's one of the best female racehorses of all time. And she was coal black and tough and huge and beautiful. And um, she had a tragic breakdown, but um, the Jannies, Alice and Jannies family owned her and still own um, racehorses to this day. Wow. There's your trivia. (laughs) I'm so sure everyone cares deeply about that. Deeply. You never know. We probably have horse fanciers in our our (laughs) list. They're going to write in. You know they're going to write in. I hope so. Right and in, they're going to correct fans. something Guile said. They're going to be like, well, they don't actually own her the whole time. They bought her from blah, blah, blah. Dude, <laughs> dude do you really think that someone would correct me? Like, do you not think that I'm correct? Like, let's be real. Like, you know I am correct. <laughs> Please send all hate mail to Guile and Centrifuge. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> However, know that I know more about it than you do. <laughs> so, um, Stacey, do you promise me some um, some hip hop couples that would fit some of the tropes? Oh yeah, I was kind of thinking like Kanye West and Jay Z, and you know like how they kind of have this. <laughs> big... what? Don't laugh! <laughs> Don't laugh! <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, because you know, they kind of like Kanye is like a newcomer. Jay Z's way established. He kind of has to prove himself, kind of like Brienne. Um, and Jay-Z just kind of has this ease and this coolness about him, you know. I think Jay-Z is one of those people where you see the output of the effort and it looks effortless. Whereas Kanye, you see him really, really try hard, you know. He's so, really going – sorry, yes? In this scenario, is Beyonce Cersei? Oh, I didn't get that far, dude. <laughs> no, no. I didn't get that far. Oh, she's yeah. not. You take that back. How dare you? <laughs> and then who the hell is Kim in this scenario? <laughs> Friendly? No. <laughs> and then they team up they team up and they do an album called Watch the Throne and it's amazing I think it works I'm just going to say oh, I, I think it works too I thought of that Anyone else anyone wants to give a shout out to before we move on to thank you? Know you? What? I realized we were talking about like updates of, of things and um, even though it's technically really based on Pride and Prejudice but 
Um, you've got mail, which is is kind yeah. of a remake of Shop Around the Corner. Totally should slide in the Jamie Brienne slot to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think Ten Things yeah. I Hate oh, About yeah. You is another one. Oh yeah. Oh, actually, there's one trope that we didn't tackle. Maybe it's not a trope, but like you know how in movies sometimes like the the you know, people are just plotting along and then boom, someone gets naked and then suddenly oh, that's it right. blows the whole thing yeah. wide open. Suddenly yeah. naked. That's suddenly a great naked. one. Oh God, you're right. Yeah. They wrote that book. Yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're stunned well, into silence. A, I mean, that's just. <laughs> it's like it's, oh, it's, it's, it's kind of things like this. She's all that yeah. thing, you know, when she's a nerdy girl, she's wearing glasses, she looks yeah. grumpy. She takes off the glass, and he's like, "Whoa." Or it's like you remember the movie, um, not another teen movie, where they're yeah. trying to like set him up with like the girl he's gonna make into the prom <laughs> yeah. queen, and they keep like going through all of these like you know really quite unattractive girls, and he's like, well, you know, dismissing all of them as being too easy, and then they get to like Janie, the one that he picks. Oh my God, she wears a ponytail. And, I mean, she's obviously like this beautiful girl with like just just a ponytail, and she's wearing paint splattered overalls. <laughs> Yeah, I think like the naked thing works for Jamie Bram. It's not really like the, uh, the it's the fact that he recognizes her as female in that moment because her armor's off and yeah. she like, you know, she has boobs. Well, it's kind of like the I guess it's sort of like the trope too, where it's um, you know, like it's your the best friend's little sister who suddenly you know you realize is it's actually puberty a, over the yeah, summer. Yeah, uh, now she's a yeah. hottie and yeah, suddenly hot. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, I mean, that's. As much as we, you know, we kind of talk about, like, Brienne, we, you know, not liking her being made beautiful or being made hot and thick and stuff. I mean, I I don't think there's a deniability that Jamie's attracted to her. Like, whether or not she's hot, yeah, no, he's, he, attracted he's into to her. her. He's into <laughs> like, that, yeah. Some, yeah. You mentioned Pillow Talk and now this, and it just occurred to me, there's a, I don't remember which Doris Day Rock Hudson comedy it's in, but there's a scene with, I think it's Gig Young, Young who's like the second lead kind of guy. And some random secretary and, you know, she's got the glasses and the hair is up in the bun and all that. And he's like, could you take the glasses off? You know, can you see without those, which drives me absolutely yeah. bonkers. Cause you know what? You're wearing them. You need them to see, but she takes them <laughs> off and he's like, could you shake out your hair? And she does. I mean, it's the whole, you know, thing. And then he goes, huh? It always works in the movies. <laughs> Oh, God. And it's sort of like, you know, with Brienne, they try mm-hmm. to put her in a dress. It just doesn't, you know, there's no way. Yeah, the dress doesn't work. You just it's get worse. naked. Just take off your clothes. That's <laughs> all he needs. Okay, so, Ian, how about some thank yous? Since oh, we're not yeah. getting any after this one. <laughs> Only hate mail. We do have two Anons <laughs> off of Tumblr, and... Um, Let's see. First, Anon says, just got done listening to the Season 6 Update Part 3 podcast. Stellar work, ladies. You guys covered a lot. Thank you for all the work you put in. My favorite bit was towards the end where everyone pretty dissolved in a puddle of emotions gushing gushing over JB reunion. I was gushing (laughs) and laughing right along with you. Thank you so much, Anon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Let's see. Um, another anonymous said, laughing my ass off the, would you skip ahead to Jamie slash Brienne chapters in the Winds of Winter question? You keep it so real on this podcast. I love it. Really enjoying the speculation <laughs> episodes. Leave that a lot. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's see. We got an email from Lady Warblade Angel. I'm just going to sit here and read the whole thing for you ladies. Awesome. Do it. All right. She says, hi, ladies. I love the wins predictions you all have, although I was literally screaming, no, at my laptop when you guys said that wins might possibly be full of marine and lemons at the veil. Oh, my God. (laughs) I would literally actually die if that happened. I would just collapse and die from a brain explosion if there is no Jamie Brienne and wins, literally. I would too, Lady Warblade oh, Angel. Yes, I think we. Yes, would. I think we all would. Okay. I'm not gonna it's... literally die. <laughs> I think I'll be I, okay. I can't, yeah. I can't vouch for myself. <laughs> oh, I'm not either. She says, "Is anyone hoping that we get some Davos POV like from we're not Stagos, too fans. Um yeah. with the unicorns and unicorns. cannibals?" Do you think that Rickens become a cannibal? Do you think that Davos might get killed trying to get Rickon back? Also, did you guys realize that George R. R. Martin has actually ordered that if he dies, all his manuscripts and notes will be destroyed so that no one can finish the books apart from him? That bastard. That's just mean. I just added that bastard in there, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Although maybe not, because who else is going to be able to match the storyline? I'm already working on reanimation. If George R. R. Martin dies, I'll be over there with my own personal revival medicine to bring him back so we get our Jamie Brienne banging scene. After that, he can do whatever he wants. LOL. I totally love you guys. I'll be waiting for the next podcast. Hope y'all are having a great day, Lady Warblade Angel. Thank you so much, Lady Warblade Angel. I just wanted to let you know that another Win Speculation episode is in the works. I can't say when it's going to be released, but we are we will get around to answering more Win's questions at a later one time. One day, one day, one day, because God knows when this damn book is going to be released. Right, right. <laughs> I'm so disappointed it wasn't last week. Well, yeah, y'all did, yeah, I didn't get that pick of my sports bra, so no, it didn't happen. <laughs> When I found out he was going to Chicago, like, I knew it wasn't going to happen, so. Yeah. But that's it, that's it on the on the thank yous for tonight. All right. So um, thanks a lot, everyone, for joining us on the panel. And if you do have any questions or comments for us, um, remember, you can send your hate mail directly to me, Guile and Subterfuge. <laughs> Otherwise, you can All leave your us... horse corrections go straight to yes. Guile and Subterfuge. Yes. Although, let's be clear, there will be no horse corrections needed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm reading up on this horse right now. Yeah. You won't need, you won't need to correct me. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, uh, iTunes reviews on iTunes, oddly enough. Or review us on iTunes. Um Visit us on Twitter at Door Podcast. Send us a message on Tumblr at Close the Door and Come Here. And what is our Gmail address? Is it Close the Door and at gmail.com? Close the Door and Bingo. at Gmail, right? Yeah. yeah. Close and the at, Door and at gmail.com. Yep. Sorry, guys. Awesome. And we would love to hear from you. Um, and we will be planning more special episodes like this, maybe better than this, maybe worse. I don't know. Um, I don't think it gets we, better than this. <laughs> as we go through the long winter coming up here, waiting for the waiting for winds and waiting for Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Good night, everyone. Thanks a lot. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.